Hello, you're listening to a spoiler-filled film conversation. Hooray! You can take a spaceman, dip it in a dream, cover it in chocolate and make us all scream. Yeah, caramel, yeah. Well, chocolate, caramel. Is it caramel different to... Does caramel not have a chocolate? It's not... Is there chocolate? Caramel, caramel can be chocolate, but it doesn't have to be. Basically, it's area. Sugar. Melted sugar. Were, were they mm. selling... Oh, my God. This is... We've derailed pre-intro. <laughs> yeah, as far as I can tell, the kind of stuff they're talking about is like you were this original type thing. What a, but they're, they're suckable. I, I was thinking, like, chewable caramel. They've got, like... They have this. Uh, well, okay, <laughs> okay, we'll get into it. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet like chocolate caramels. Do 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 do. Ooh, we, again, I've opened up a can of chocolate worms because we were already uh, pre-pod arguing about whether or not these caramels that the Japanese are selling in this uh, are actually featuring chocolate or not. Uh, but anyway, we'll come back. We'll come back to the confectionery debate once we intro us properly. Uh, hello, welcome to a spoiler-filled film conversation. Hooray! I am Richard, and with me are Anthony. Hello. And Abby. Hello. And we've dug ourselves up a dusty old copy of Giants and Toys. It's not a category you want to search on uh, Pornhub or anything. It's not a specialty uh, term. Uh, it's a film from Japan, and it was Abby's pick. Um, mm-hmm. So, Abby, if you can give us the deets, that would be handy. So, uh, already, let's apologise for the pronunciation. Sorry, Abby, to cut you off, but, um, you know, Japanese is not our first language. Giants and Toys is from 1958. It was directed by... Yazuzo Masumura. It was written by Yoshio Shirasaka, based on the short story by Takeshi Kaiko. It stars Hiroshi Kawaguchi, Hitomi Nozai, Yunosuke Ito, Michiko Ono, Kiyu Sazanka, Kinzo Shin, Hideo Takamatsu, and is about a sweet company that specializes in caramels. And how it's trying to compete with two other companies for their market share and take on a young teenage girl as the face of their company in their their fight to take over the market. Mm. Oh, the obvious uh, choice for you, Abby. <laughs> I do not remember how I came to this. Oh, I don't I have the faintest idea. <laughs> I remember, I remember, like all all the options you give us were all kind of like Japanese businessman based. I don't know if that was your angle. Sure, let's say it was. <laughs> I, I can oh, take that. Vintage Japan movies, but mm. not uh, you know samurais and stuff. You de- definitely had oh, a kind that of swinging... might have been it. Actually, I wanted a Japanese movie that was neither about. Samurais or Godzilla? Or kaiju That's, in general? Yes, or little <laughs> creepy children with long hair climbing out of TVs. Hmm. The cutthroat world of uh, business, capitalism, 
the original kaiju <laughs> destroying the <laughs> Earth one city at a time. Uh, I can tell you that we have done the film Giant and we have done the film Toys. So oh, I was going to make that joke. <laughs> <laughs> it feels that could only... also have been my approach. I just looked up the list of stuff we've already done and started just mashing things together. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next week we're doing Super Mario Ghost Dad. <laughs> just smash them up however you can. I mean, it was very early days we did Giant. I think Toys was like two, episode two, and then Giant was yeah, those within are, the, first... Like the first five or six, both of them. Yeah, so if you want to hear us with younger voices chat about those, we have a The very archive. early ones, some of us weren't even there. Yeah, pretty much just me and Anthony for Toys. Steve bailed at us. <laughs> um, <laughs> left us to it. Couldn't cope with that level of shitty surrealism. Anyway, we're not. It's not about that. Let's move on. It's twenty twenty three for us today, and it was nineteen fifty eight for them. And we watched it, and now we're going to discuss it like a sort of like a sort of book club, but about films because books are shit <laughs> unless they're adapted <laughs> to films. That's how I think. That's genuinely how I think of the podcast. <laughs> it's our little film club, but film clubs aren't a thing. <laughs> the film club makes yeah. it sound like you punch tickets to the cinema. And, you know, do you know what I mean? It feels a bit, you know... They have a film club in Carmarthen Cinema. They have one in Swansea Cinema as well. Well, they're not not on my to-do list. <laughs> I go, I go, on, We go on our own adventure into the world of film. We don't need a path and a guide. And a, <laughs> we just fucking run with machetes into the wilderness and see what we see. <laughs> What I was going to say was we have machetes and meth, because that's the kind of direction we take with our picks. Yeah. Got, got some anti-venoms in our back pockets and some mosquito um, nets, just in case we run into a really terrible, dangerous film. I'm not really sure what that metaphorically would be. Anyway, uh, let's get back on point. Abby, you picked uh, Giants and Toys. Pretty weird mm-hmm. title, pretty weird film. You've speculated that it's just just something different, but how did you come across it? What I mean, you obviously hadn't seen it before. What we were, I guess, what we were expecting is the the more important point. Well, the trailer made it look a little bit more surreal than it is. Swinging sixties, or mm. not quite right. Fifty eight. <laughs> it wasn't that much. I just a little bit more fanciful. I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I've seen I've seen a film called Tokyo Stories, which is very like it's out there and like psychedelic. It, it's you know that's about um, crime in Japan, but it's got a real almost music video quality to it at times. It's quite odd and yeah, it's very very psychedelic in its approach. And I was like, oh, the trailer to this is looks kind of like it might be a bit you know youthful and and, and sort of odd and challenging. I got kind of um, like a Fellini or um, French New Wave kind of vibes from the trailer. Mm. Yeah, well, it's not. A, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's that far from a Fellini. I mean, it was more Fellini than it was like psychedelic. No. I, I thought it would be odd. I think the, I thought the space thing would play in in a more surreal way, perhaps. Like, because there's a lot of mm. imagery of sort of 
the notion of space rather than the reality of space, you know, silly 50s spacesuits and toys and stuff. But yeah, Abby, uh, it wasn't quite what you were expecting, but did you uh, did you present this with something that you liked? <laughs> yes, fortunately I did like it when I did watch it. We've entered a, a real awkward phase for me where I'm having to put forward films that I haven't seen before. And it makes me very uncomfortable. Oh, don't worry. Me and Rich have been there for years. <laughs> <laughs> I find it... Well, me certainly. Yeah, oh, no, no, no. It's definitely a go-to. The trouble with doing a film you've seen is, well, you have to vouch for it and you have to sort of... You know, it's better to just blindly get... Like, I also take... The, when Jamie's with us, often take the approach of, well, I've been meaning to watch this. So better to try new ground sometimes. And tested, and and vouched for. I don't know, uh, Anthony. What were you expecting from this? You're a, you're a Japanophile at times. Yes, I mean we're I, I we're very rarely disappointed with Japanese films. We've done quite a few on the podcast so far, and they usually there's usually something there for us to enjoy. So I, the, I was to sink in... to sink your horrible rotten teeth into it, yeah. <laughs> So I was, you know, I was pretty confident I was going to enjoy it. Although, like I said, when I watched the trailer, it had kind of like Fellini, like French New Wave vibes, and and I don't know, I don't, I sometimes don't get on with those films very much. So slight apprehension. But yeah, we did. Still, we did do. So it's probably going to be fun. Yeah, we are the kind of heathens who watched eight and a half, and we're not that kind to it. And uh, <laughs> the wave hasn't treated us particularly well. Um, well, I mean, I would like to few. Abby, you basically swore off French New Wave uh, on the last time we looked at one. Yeah, I, think. I don't think I've enjoyed one, so I'm giving up. Bunch of prick teens in Trilby smoking and being misogynistic cunts. No, thank you. <laughs> um, well, well, you know, whatever. We're bound to circle back to them one time. So a small amount of apprehension, but expecting it to be interesting. Mm. Not seen by you, though. Had you heard of it? No. <laughs> I don't know where you plucked this from, but no. Yeah. Yeah. This, is a weird, this is a weird one. Because <laughs> the, the thing with Japanese culture that penetrates tends to be, um, these days, anime. Like, there's a huge... Uh, Rapid fan base for anime, and there's lots of channels and streaming sites for them. Not to mention the success stories and merchandise, but you know, the, the famous ones that are all massively popular. But like, people like to look out for those, and as, as you say, Abby Kaiju movies with big monsters smashing up stuff, but also, I guess, the sort of straight to TV shit like Power Rangers type Kaiju. And what else? Like, yeah, like old old fat people like me like to go, let's watch an old Kurosawa movie about samurais or poor people or something. Um, so there are people who dust off something, you know, that's in the Criterion Collection, isn't it? Arrow hmm. have this one. Arrow, right. Continuing our long tradition of doing their entire catalogue without ever having actually looked at their catalogue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so uh, the title 
sort of relates to one of the confectionery companies, and then I guess the other, which is Giant. Uh, Giants, yeah. Giant? but that Giant is one of the companies, but it isn't the one that we follow. Yeah, we follow mainly World, right? Is the name of the there's yeah, three chocolate is... companies, isn't it, or three confectionery yeah. companies? We're loosely affiliated with World, and they're up against Giant and Apollo. Which is weird because Apollo, you'd think, would do a lot of space tie-in promotions. I was world who do that, and then do they do like the caveman thing, or is that giant? Giant has the wrestler, the weird, uh... and Apollo has the that um, money for life thing. Yeah. Didn't, also, giant, giant were giving away like small animals as well, or something. I yes. thought that was the. Oh yeah, that was with the the guy uh, in the sort of. Loincloth. Hmm. Oh, not loincloth. One of those, like, caveman over-the-shoulder numbers. Over-the-shoulder, boulder-holder type things. The wrong kind of boulders. But, yeah. All right, so World, Giant, not Giants, first of all, uh, and then Apollo. And then, I guess, Toys relates to that there are various companies that are considering prizes that can be won, mm. which are, I guess are Toys like... Uh, Robots and space lasers and astronaut suits or something. They do not in any way make it clear, but because this is a satire of business, I think it might mean business giants and how their employees are toys. Um you've you've read into a subtext. Very good. Yeah, I think I think giants is it's easy to say. Yeah, <laughs> off. <laughs> I was getting there, and you guys, you guys are mean to me. All right. It was the way you said it. Yeah. <laughs> it's because I thought it, but you articulated it very well. Thank you. Yeah, giant companies with their toy employees. Metaphorically, though, they are, you know, their toys metaphorically, but, like, there are actually toys in it as well. It's, it, is, it is a pseudo-literal title as well as a very clever metaphor for the world of capitalism and business and the way it chews you up and spits you out. Is it a direct translation? Because I think they were, oh, had like another name, didn't they? The build-up was another name. Another name for the film? Yes. I don't know what, yeah, I don't know, I don't, I don't read Why that. are you asking us? You're the only one who can answer that question. <laughs> it's, probably some, it's probably some cleverer title in Japanese. Maybe something vaguer as well. Whatever. It don't matter. Anyway, the world of confectionery, uh, and more importantly, the business end of it, not the stupid Oompa Loompa bullshit. <laughs> the, the, not, not yeah, the they workers. had a look at the factory very briefly, and it just seemed very busy and sad. It was like, too, in Willy Wonka, the chocolate factory, they had that amazing... Uh, montage of chocolates being made. They have that a little bit in this, and it just looks dreary and sad and like little <laughs> just shitty cubes being whapped into packaging, like uh, like chalk for snooker. Like, just uh, eat that. So that was brutal. <laughs> I'm one of them fainted because they were being overworked. Yeah, I know. So yeah, this is like 1950s Japan uh America has bombed capitalism into them. They're recovering. Yeah. And they, they're, t- they're trying a more Western approach, or at least 
Uh, I think Japanese have had ruthless business for a long time, and the the workahol, workahol, the workaholic uh, culture was there anyway. But we're we're in you know post war Japan. Uh, get get let's get back on our feet. Let's make it's about money and success and the the you know the ladder that you have to climb. Uh, so yeah, it's focused on that the the sort of. Climbing the greasy pole, as it were, of business. But yeah, in really... that regard, we follow uh, one one particular pair of employees, Goda, and the intern who works with him, Nish- Nishi. Goda and Nishi, yeah. They work for World, isn't it? Mm-hmm. We also meet a few people from other companies and stuff as it goes on. Also, the the opening I was going to say before. Before that, uh, the opening of this is really quite. Uh, the music's quite out there and very, very like, contemporary for the fifties. And like, I don't know how would you describe it. It's just this. There's this weird snapshot of the model that the, the movie's going to be based on. Then it multiplies, and there's like quite an upbeat song. I don't, I don't know if the word jazzy is right, but kind of jazzy. That was another thing that set the set an incorrect tone, in my opinion. Mm. Real, real wacky vibes, quite fun and surreal. And then they literally like the, some of the pictures blow away. And you're like, oh, fuck me, what's this? And we get into what is then a sort of workplace drama satire, isn't it? But yeah, these, uh, I think I got the wrong expectation from that opening. And then it itself settles into sort of uh, setting. Setting up the business world and giving us an, like an insight into it. Yeah, so we got these two guys, and then we got a bunch. We keep seeing, we see a lot of people. There's a lot of CEO types and directors and uh, board members and chairman and whatever word you give to upper management. The and board and people slowly dying of ulcers. Yeah, um. that was the that was the theme, wasn't it? Like. <laughs> You die of stress, <laughs> uh, sleepless nights, coughing up blood, and eventually you replace the man <laughs> who is coughing up blood, and then you start coughing up blood in his in his place <laughs> for the stress of trying to please your bosses and keep the profits up. And they had like that weird. They kept seeing those charts in the background that were being uh, they're monitoring, I guess, uh, sales, but with actual string of them. I liked that. It looked fun. <laughs> well, it looked like it looked like it just chart crashed to the bottom every time it was the end of the week. It's like oh, it's sort of zigzagging, and they're all sort of competing with each other. But then, because the string drops down vertically, I, I sometimes thought, "Oh shit, have the stocks crashed?" No, they're just they haven't, on, they haven't got any further yet. It, it was kind of cool seeing into a, a like a, an old school business environment. It was kind of what I would term as. Uh, it's kind of like watching Japad Men, Japad Japad Men, like Mad Men, you know Japad Men. <laughs> oh it's not going to work. It's just, <laughs> just like, no. You just have to say it with a commitment, Japad Men. No, you don't. Just you could just not say it. Japan, nice. Japan Ham, was it it? No. Okay, right, but it is. <laughs> it is the same. Uh, it's the same basic nuts and bolts as ad ad. No, I can't even say the proper one. It's the same 
general general world and style as ad oh Jesus as Mad Men the hit HBO show. Yes, yeah, so yeah. watched that. Yeah, I've watched Mad Men. Seen a bit of it. It's good. I've seen a little bit of it as well. I, I hear it's good. Uh, your mum loves it, doesn't she, Abby? Yes. So, I think. not that it needs a recommendation. I mean, everyone knows Bad Men's good. This isn't uh, the kind of film we can talk about as a sequence of events per se, because a lot of it is more components of the same thing happening. That's so true. it's more sort of talking about the general themes, I think. And it's yeah. sort of... Now, Japanese businessmen have this reputation for being drunk all the time because they work so hard. But I never really understood why until I watched this and now I'm like, oh, I get it now. Yeah, your evening has to be filled with sake and karaoke and getting professional wrestlers to chop you really hard in the chest. That's what I know about <laughs> businessmen in Japan. That's the that's the stereotype for me. They just love her being chopped in the chest to show how manly you are. I forgot that was a thing. But yeah, they just uh, this one. They mainly, uh, I mean, they they're out and about. They they seem to go to what looks like a dessert shop that has dessert that's made of glass in the window. That's, that's where they find the her. She's doing some of the worst looking through a window I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who who are we talking about there, Abby? We are talking about the the girl next door. Type lady that is Kyoko. That they next door, recruit. if you live in a slum, we we do live in a slum. All right. Yeah. Oh, she keeps three tadpoles in a tiny paint tin, and then everyone's surprised when they die. Like massive tadpoles for, for like bullfrogs as well. Yeah. Really <laughs> fuck me off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the busy world of, uh, you know, modelling and success. You can't look after your massive tadpoles in a tin. You haven't got time. That's, the, that's one of the messages of the movie. What do you say your name was? Kyoko. Kyoko. Yeah, I think Kyoko uh, has the story arc. It's a fairly uh, done one, isn't it? The, the sort of uh, rising star, like plucked from nowhere, fame and success. Uh, I feel like it reminded me a bit of uh, Millennium Actress. You've seen that, haven't you, Anthony? I have. Similar vibes to that. Are there there other films that are like this story of, uh, you know, Rising Star? There's loads, right? Western ones as well. Uh, There's there's a, uh, yeah, there's a touch of like Pygmalion in there as well. Kind of, you know working class girl coached into yeah. being something more kind of thing. Hmm. Uh, do you agree, Abby? Yeah, there's a little bit of flavour of a few things in there. But because we don't have their cultural references, I'm not sure how much of it is deliberate. Or if they're drawing on their own stories of that kind. Well, it's a, it's a universal, I think, the idea that modeling at least uh it's 
people become stars, they become huge celebrities, and uh, they're kind of they have their fifteen minutes, and then they're potentially uh, it's out with the old, in with the new, and then you're replaced. I think that what's the famous is it all about Eve? That's got that um, that that that's probably one of the quintessential movies that's about uh, mm. a young star being outshining someone this one we don't really we get to know that the young previous model for the company uh can't get work anymore in the adverts and the this woman is in and that we sort of end with her not quite at the crest of her success i thought it was going that way and the movie wraps up and you're like wait we're not we're not having the downfall the (laughs) we're not having the suddenly there's a younger model with even jankier teeth replacing her no, because it's the guy's decline, not her decline. It's yeah. all about it's all about yeah. go does ascent and then crash. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Because we don't we get some of her perspective in her in her rise to fame, but it's more of a kind of like outside perspective from from the like the company angle. So it becomes much more. You're looking at it as uh, like a commentary on kind of like manufactured fame. Yeah, hmm. it's, it is rather, an than, rather than as a as a kind of you know a um, rising star story kind Not of thing. Talent, yes, it's literally the we made you and now we've lost you to we like Gorda basically he, he is stressed at the end of the film because he can no longer control what she does, but she's outgrown him and and he can't convince her of anything because she's you know successful. Like they they've made a monster of sorts. I mean, she's not awful to them. She he just has no lot say over it anymore. From their point of view, they've made a monster in that they have created an independent woman. <laughs> sort of, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's a good it's a good commentary and a good look at this world and, and the notion of fabricating uh, uh, um, stars. I mean, it happens all the time in pop music. It's the most obvious way where you just round up a bunch of young attractive people of a certain age and then you you know get Simon Cowell to shove them out on a stage and sing manufactured pop crap until they're famous and they do catch on I and mean, there's so many very popular successful people who make a go of it and so many chewed up and forgotten about um yeah I mean you know but it, the the interesting thing in this one I thought was the route wasn't to start Putting a young woman who no one heard of in advert is that they they got a sleazy photographer who was quite talented to photograph this uh, friend of two of the guys working there, like Order and uh, what was his name again? Nishi. Nishi. They have like a woman they know, or uh, one of them. I don't know. Is one of them is avoiding dating her, and the other one is they're, they're sort of friends, aren't they? I mean, I don't know. She's They're not friends. She's a complete stranger. Oh. The Nishi fails to accost her on the street, and rightly so. She goes to the police. And then somehow Goda manages to do it, and I can only assume it's because he's dressed well. Well, Nishi's then trying to fight her off, isn't he? Like, I thought he was... he was Like, one of them was trying to have an affair with some... Uh, one of the people who works in the other company as well. For insider yeah. scoops, she's she's got the wrong end of the stick, thinking that he likes her when he doesn't, right? And that's why they try oh, and yeah, use that against her later on. 
that's how Goda, that's part of how Goda convinces her in the first place, because he tells her that Nishi kind of fancies her. Ah. So, yeah, she's like a, just, I guess, a, a fairly, well, she's a nobody of sorts. She works for a, ta- uh, she's like a dispatch for a, a cab company, I think. Uh, and sort of a, a light-hearted, free-spirited play uh, kickball in the street with little kids, whatever. Person. In the enviable position where she gets a phone call, she buggers off, and they're like, we're going to dock you pay for today if you don't work. She's like, fine. And she could go back there if she wanted to. She's not fired. It's nothing like that. Comes I wish I could do that someday. You're... So. <laughs> it's <laughs> dream, being, really, isn't it? <laughs> being a woman who lives in a slum with a family of various people. Like, I don't think they're even her family, right? The people she lives with. They, I want to give very rare props for me to a child. That bit with the bicycle and all the other kids are like, let me ride it. He's like, no, you'll get it dirty. No, you'll break it. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Was that a prize? It wasn't, was it? I thought that you talked a lot about toys. No, that, that, was late, that was later on when she, she starts making money and uh-huh. is giving them stuff and moving them out of the house kind of thing. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh no! So yeah, she's got weird, weird fucked up. Uh, almost she had British teeth. To be fair, it's just normal every every person on the street in Britain, just chunky uh, jackalatin teeth. I guess Actually, I didn't notice every time. Her, her whole look was very nineteen nineties. You think nineteen nineties UK? The top pony, Brit-pop. terrible teeth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, Brit, early Britpop vibes. That's good. Nineteen fifty eight. Yes, yeah, so like um, she she was cute and she had her gimmick was I guess she could touch her nose with her tongue or something. She had her she tongue out did. a lot of the time, and so that meant she just touched her nose and she had her tongue out. I didn't see her, no, whatever. But I did. I didn't notice the teeth. I didn't straight away clock that she had weird teeth. But I guess that's a gimmick uh, in the world of modelling. Anyway, her opportunity to be photographed comes. Uh, before she's offered like a contract selling the caramel sweets, which uh, what the all of the companies seem to be trying to sell to make money, um, she it's like a general photo shoot like for a glossy magazine, right? That's the, that's what was weird about it. Is it was just let's manufacture a sort of a personality. Uh, a model, like a like, you know, like a glamorous oh. person. I don't know what what were they doing. Well, Goda needed something to pitch to the board. So, in a, in order to be able to suggest this girl, he needed something to show them. So he did that photo shoot. They had a spread in one of the magazines. He then showed the magazine, and they were like, "Yeah, all right then." Because she had to be popular. It wasn't just you couldn't just pick a model and be like, "Look at this girl, she's right," and then try. It was like, look, we've photographed her. This sleazy photographer has come, and I guess also photographed her in, I guess, the slum and in her own world of, you know, down and out, scruffy, dirty house <laughs> that they don't clean up. And then he's because he's such a, I guess, he's such a good photographer, and she has a certain, I guess, X factor that, and the men of Japan are all horny perps. I guess is is a. Not is to be stated, I suppose. I would say in 1958 that was a global phenomenon. I don't think horniness ever 
went out of fashion, to be honest. Okay. You know, they do have like certain bits where they have different types of, of men kind of picking up the magazines and it's kind of showing how uh, how they found a way to appeal to a, a wide demographic because they have like the older kind of businessmen who like her and then like the younger kind of students who like her and then there was a scene where like they've got like union workers saying oh look she looks like a nice proletariat woman kind of thing yeah and then she gets coached a bit to say like you know oh say you uh if all your, even though she's spending all of her money on herself, rightly so, she she's told to like, oh, I have an ill father. I'm giving all my money to, and so she ha- she's coached to be this good girl, likable, and then people can root for her as a person as well as sort of ogle her. <laughs> so yeah, I thought factor. I, I did think when it was happening at the time, it's like this seems absurdly easy and quick happening. But then I guess that's kind of the point. Like the whole film is kind of somewhat absurdist in its tact and it and it is trying to make the fact that the point that you know you know this this shit is easy for people who know what they're doing kind of thing yeah the i mean you just have to... kind of celebrity for their own gain you just need the right it's just luck a little bit like sometimes it's just the right person at the right time so people like uh you know jordan was just one of many women pay to show her breasts on a newspaper that sucks ass like and she she as i guess partly possibly management or business skills or knowing uh how to catch on i don't know she obviously she capitalized on pervy men in britain and she caught on and has had a mega long career and become a reality star and done umpteen things and then there's people like Paris Hilton who are just uh, rich fucking, uh, what's the word when you just are uh, the child of heiress. an heiress, right? And she's just playing up the idea that she's a thick bimbo. And, you know, the media go crazy for these sort of uh, attractive women who, you know, play the game a little bit, isn't it? Like, these are astute people. They, you know, can be, uh, you know, Often, it's people hate love to hate them as well. With that, in this case, though, the film uh, she's not hated or love to be hated. She's just the hit new person who's modelling. I guess I don't know. We we don't get into it too much, but the idea is she caught on man. She was manufactured into it, and reluctant. She was almost like kidnapped to be to do the photo shoot. Yeah, that was <laughs> weird. Yeah, but then. I think they were going for comedy, but... A bit problematic. It was like she's looking for just help to do it. Like, uh, she asked one of them just to come in, and they don't even do that. They don't treat her very nice at all. They don't give a fuck. They just uh, sort of use her, get her photographed, and then they can then pitch, as you say, Abby, to the older guys in management. Look, you're looking at all these photos of models. You're looking for a celebrity, and they basically come. Up, the The management realizing these companies are oh, the problem is uh, celebrities are sponsored to do everything. They're not just selling our product. You don't think of the product when you see the celebrity. You think of loads of other stuff. We need our own that's insider, a, right? Yeah, that's a good point. I never really thought about that until they said it. Where it's like you you see these celebrities selling perfume or whatever, but I've got, I don't remember what they are. I don't remember any of those things. I just remember, oh, it's you. Yeah, it's because there's yeah. too many, yeah. 
Unless they spell, you know, you could get the odd person who, I don't know, just smell, sells vagina candles or something. <laughs> if you can have that I association. That will always be the face of crisps. And the, mainly the years of crisps. <laughs> <laughs> but it's because he didn't do anything else. And that's the key, isn't it? But he was as he already he was a, a not very good at penalties football player before that, and now commentator or not comment is it pundit or whatever Lineker yeah it's that you have to nail a person down to one it's not like do people buy crisps because Lineker though they don't do they they just remember the adverts because he was in them all isn't it. It's like Kevin Bacon. Do you buy a phone because Kevin Bacon made fun of himself in a bunch of ads? I guess you remember them because they, you know. It's so tired now, though. I think it might actually be deterring me. Yeah, (laughs) it's true. (laughs) And then fecking meerkats switched sides and started working for different people. I didn't think there'd be a Gary Lindgren tangent on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, she oh, it, it, um, yeah, it's just kind of like it's kind of just setting her up. It's just showing that, like, like celebrity these days can be manufactured and sold as a product, just like you know, candy can essentially. You have the same people making her famous that are also trying to just sell the candy to people. And there's never really a, a sense that, oh, we can improve the recipe or, ch- like, there's a, we can change, we can gimmick up new flavours and stuff if we like, but where the shitter, like, so one of the companies is like, well, we make shitter caramels, but fuck that, we're like, that's, that's staying the same, <laughs> but if we can sell better and, you know, push I don't know if it was... marketing the right way. I don't think they were shitter necessarily as there's sort of a plateau for how good a caramel can be. Well, I think at one point someone's making the case of there's a ceiling on profits here. Like someone realizes the truth capitalism is so rare to notice, which is you can't keep going up forever. Eventually everyone in Japan will have bought the caramels and that's that, isn't it? Like, and people, you know, you can't fight the economy. There's so many factors that will make the price go down and uh, profits go down, I should say. That was another interesting bit when he was talking about how like natural disasters affect things and all this and all that. You know Japan and our tsunamis. Gah. People don't buy caramels when there's a tsunami. Fair. What would it take to stop you going out for Jaffa cakes, Rich? Wait, I, I need more than a tsunami, mate. <laughs> Two kaiju fighting. If it's just one. I pop between Godzilla's legs or Whatever, but if Mothra's out there as well, I'd be like, ooh, I don't know. It depends how nice these caramels are and how cool and sexy the model is. I mean, let's be honest, in the, in Britain we didn't resort to disgusting models. We had a sexy animated lady bunny that made us buy <laughs> caramel. Um, yes. Which yeah. uh, which in its own way speaks very much to the British character. Also, I believe we had adverts for flake chocolate. You know, which is essentially the shite chocolate you stick in an ice cream, sold to us by a woman blowing a fucking chocolate bar in a bath. Do you know what I mean? There was some very like, especially in the nineties, it was like, fuck, oh, get horny. Like horny for chocolate was very nineties here. I think it yeah. was. Yes. Now Maltesers have that 
beelining. Oh, just girls who like watching Sex and the City. Uh, you love fucking Maltesers. You're a laugh and probably upload videos of yourselves on TikTok. Fucking buy malted chocolate sweets, you dumb bitches. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> back on course. This film, her arc is that of manufactured superstar. And then as time goes on, uh, I think one of the breakthroughs is she does an advert where she's in like a spacesuit and fires a gun and sticks her tongue out. And then that advert plays and you know, she becomes like a, a minor celebrity. And it's um, she's paid quite a lot. Like they, they, they paid a lot, but probably not as much as she could have like she doesn't have a great contract to begin with she's handed a big wad of money more than she'd ever get any other time so she's happy and then they kind of got her stitched up then and they? they could make her do adverts and so forth um, until there's a contract stipulation meeting towards the other side it was the closest this come to wrestling yeah how did it go down well she didn't no, tip the table so that was no. uh... yeah but they were trying to get her to go to some expo and give out free caramels. And she was like, no, my contract's for film and television. I don't go to expos. I don't have to go to SpaceX and hand out chocolates. Fuck you. Um, and she'd, at that stage, she was also being uh, coaxed into like a pop career, singing jazz music or something. That, that musical number. What? Yeah, right at the end, they do like a possibly distasteful tribal gimmick musical show with her. Like, she's the lead dancer and singer in some sort of. St- I wasn't even sure if it was a stage show till they show the audience. And it was just like, fuck, is this an ad? No, it's a show. And it's like a native show with topless, feather in the hair, tribe dancing people. And something about. Native women getting off on men killing people. Yeah. That's the vibe I got from the lyrics. Mm. <laughs> right. That's the direction, isn't it? But she kind of... Uh, that's the, It's sort of... The end of her story is that of... Uh, she has loads of adoring fans. She has loads of... She gets buried under a bunch of flowers from these young girls who love her because, I, I don't know, pop culture is weird. Um, and she's also signed up with a manager that's the friend of one of the ad guys, right? And it's like a betrayal situation, right? Oh, it's Nishi's school friend. They've both graduated and got internships at sweet companies. And and... he's become a manager now. He's sort of left the sweet company to run her career or something. Yeah. And risk their friendship. Yeah. He sacrificed it for money. Son of a bitch. It's almost like there's a message. Um but yeah, it kind of <laughs> it kind of ends there as a kind of with her. That's her story. Like it's from uh she's she's unable to be found as well in, in her old home. Like the people she lived with are even moving out and it's like whoa, she was meant to tell you, was she guys? No, she didn't care. Did she get a weird wig at one point as well? Or was that someone else? Like a weird I don't know if it was like big or whether she just did her hair in a different way, because it was it was that scene where she's she had her she's had her teeth fixed, and she's she's acting a bit more like a celebrity where she's not signing people's mm. things, and you've got people in the background going like, "Oh, is she uppity now?" 
Yeah, but she had, but she had, well, if it wasn't awake, she had like a brunette, or she was it, like from Japanese dark hair to like lighter brown, and then a funny haircut. I think it was meant to be awake because she was back when she was doing the tribal show. It was more conventional again. Yeah, and it kind of leaves her in a space where she kind of is also trapped now in the same kind of sphere of business and work that that the men who put her there are in. Because her life now is is all work, work, work. Yeah, there's definitely a, a, a thing going through it of you can't not work really hard all the time. In Japan, anyway, like you, you they even have a speech dying. about it where they say it's like if you want to tell me you're Japanese, then you have to work harder than you want to live, or whatever it is. Yeah, it, um, but it doesn't. It doesn't take the, the career doesn't nosedive. I think you're right, Andy. It, it is just highlighting that it's a it's a trap of its own, isn't mm. it? There's drawbacks to being the hit person who is adored and loved is that you fucking can't stop. I guess it is like many pop stars, you know, the successful ones. It's not just that they're manufactured. It's they have to still work all the time. Like Britney Spears and Beyonce and all the people who make the mega bucks. They fucking, yeah, I think they got to work. Bitch. Kind of, I think that you get this kind of impression that, you know, like the, the, the really kind of mega stars, they're generally, you know, pop stars and movie stars and models. And you you just get this kind of feeling like oh their life must be a breeze but like no they they you know they have to work just as hard. Yeah, and even um, reality stars they still have to go to endless vacuous events and signings and be on people's be on the right people's uh, collaboration videos and turn up at events. It, you know, it is. They just have to endlessly go in the cycle of reality shows. Like yeah. I started on this reality show, so now will I appear on Bake Off or I'll appear on Slime Celebrity to get me out of here or I'll appear on something else. Yeah, I mean it is gold jet skis and uh, tidy dogs in handbags, but it's also uh airports and uh makeup and you know it's a lot of it's a lot of graft to go with being a fucking rich dickhead. <laughs> so you know, swings and roundabouts. Um yeah, but that's—I think it's pretty good. That's a pretty good story arc, I guess. And then we get the photographer guy who is who is the talent, I guess. He's just chatted up some other drunken woman at the end, and is is kind of he's jaded and seen it before, so he's he's sort of uh, we 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 cut we go back to him to just to see. Yeah, he's still just a sleaze, <laughs> and uh, oh, you know, a bit more wised up to the situation than the younger guys. When they're desperate to get this woman back to promote things for them. Oh, what did he say to the woman he was photographing before they arrived with Kyoko? Something like, You have to stop sleeping with so many men, it's starting to show. <laughs> like what what's No, no, the to other show? way around, you need to start sleeping with more men because you're starting to get fat. Oh. Oh being... see, that's worse. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we're meant to like him. <laughs> I did like him a little bit. Though. Oh, we kind of do, yeah, because he's kind of like really—he's like so overly sleazy and odd that you but can't help but like sort him. Of the most normal. He's the most clued into everything, and less—he's the least delusional, 
And it's not like his talent. It's not like he's proud of his talent. He's just just doing it, whatever. Just his life is to, I guess, sleep with the occasional model, but or just get drunk and have a nice time. But it's not about getting loads of success and notoriety for your work. It's just do the work, get it done, make it happen, set up the next person. Um, no scruples, but also you know, no accolades. Hmm. But yeah, we, and I guess the other aspect is the story of, uh, yeah, basically pe- the people trying to stay afloat in the world of, like, basically get promoted and stay, you know, relevant in the workplace and living by the success of the profit margin of your company and f- basically trying to outmaneuver the other companies. So Apollo, Giant, and World are all. We see a little bit into each of them, but as you said, Abby, it's mostly world, and there's like some comedy, like competing for, uh, you know, ad- competing in the world of advertising and marketing, isn't it? So we got like van- dueling vans driving around, flyer drops. Yeah, that's an old thing we don't do anymore. You sometimes see it with political campaigning still, but not really. Well, flyer drop is sort of seen as wasteful, I think, isn't it? Because it's so much littering. Mm. But I think you do get, especially with, um, you get events now, like, you know, energy drinks will make it like a beach party happen. They like hire a DJ in a booth or like, and they hand out freebies at the beach or something. And they'll, or, you know, in the streets. I mean, you and I, Abby, have followed Cadbury's uh, employees. <laughs> Through the streets of Reading, because they're like, who are these prints in, in purple costumes? We just it's because they had that little barrel on wheels that they were dragging behind them. Like, what's that? What's in there? Why do they have a big keg full of Cadbury's? What's that? Where are the Cadbury's men go in? And then we we followed them to their little handout area, and we got some free chockies for following the little umpalumpas. So, so it can work if you've got something people are interested in. It does happen in the world. They still are promotions like that. What do you guys make of the two? Like we got this, we get a little bit of the wrestler guy who's a. Uh, everything seems so arbitrary in it. Like the ad execs are like, "Well, we got all these fucking spaceship toys and robots and laser guns. Hand them out. What do you think, space or do we go with like fucking I don't know, caveman <laughs> and animals? Like, and then, but they have. What do you guys make of uh, the mad? I don't know. Yeah, wrestler. They were like in vans and shit. What was it? Well, at one point, the I think it's before they got the wrestler on board, but it is yeah. Giant has stopped next to uh, some kind of protest, and they're advertising directly to the protesters that their caramels will make them feel better after a hard day's protesting. <laughs> Whatever your problem, our caramel chocolate will solve it is basically the approach, isn't it? And that is the perfect um, illustration of capitalism for me and mm. corporation thinking. The old snake oil pitch, isn't it, of whatever it heals you, this does it. <laughs> this solves your problem. Yeah, I don't know. I like I like I like the two vans rocking up uh, with the different like the the uh, Tanai announcements and the the music and the crowds and just 
being fucked off that each fan promoting the chocolate is in the same place, and it's it feels like a real war, and it's a war that uh, is interrupted by Apollo. They're off screen. Apollo's chocolate factory burns down. I don't think it's sabotage; it's just an accident or something. Uh, but that kind of fucks them out of the competition for, even though they're doing really well. The and then they like... have, in the world offices, they have a very brief conversation about the ethics surrounding it and how they should react. And basically, the old guy who's on his way out of the company, he doesn't want to retire, but they're going to make him. And he's saying stuff like, you know, we should be honourable and we shouldn't just capitalise on their disaster. And everyone else is like, nah, we need to make more caramels. <laughs> Sell more. We can beat them now. I think the only thing that's wrong about that is anyone would say we shouldn't capitalize on this. <laughs> There's no more of those type of people going. Should we take the moral high ground and be genteel about this? There's, there's, that's no one in the room says that anymore. It's like a given that good. I'm glad this the Pepsi have burned up and fallen into the sea. We will dominate now. Oh, Pepsi. Um, <laughs> Sorry, but uh, Dr. Pepper are going to come up and be the number two from now on. Yeah, I can live with that. Uh, yeah, who, what, what are the little stories do we tell? What's the, there's a woman who won't marry one of them uh, who works. She's like, uh, you have a lower salary than me, and if I marry you, I, won't have, I will have to give up my job because we live she in works a misogynist world. Sorry, go on, Abby. She works at Apollo. I think her name might be here. Kurahashi. And Nishi starts a relationship with her to try and get information. And they have this weird push and pull relationship where they're sort of trying to exploit each other, but they also like each other a bit. Yeah, I mean, she's. I like that she won't get married because just out of tradition, she'd have to stop working and that's financially a mistake. But What's kind of going on is she's, I don't know, she's, got, she's oddly, not sexual, but she's kind of a bit of a hussy about it. Like, they go out on the odd date, and she's like, oh, go on then, ravage me. And she's very proactive in kissing him. But also, I don't know, she doesn't say that first on it at the same time. She's very, like, casual about it. She's, a very, she's got her head screwed on. A successful businesswoman in Japan in a man's world. And I, I like that she's... Uh, you know, she's not stupid enough to ruin her own career by uh, marrying. And uh, she sort of keeps her head afloat in her, her company, right? Yeah, it's all it's all kind of about... It's, kind of, it's just the film's su- suggesting that to live this kind of... Um, this kind of, like, businessman's life, it kind of affects your whole life, like, not just your working life. So all, all of the relationships that Nishi has... Um, are kind of like in question because you know does he you know how much of it is love and how much of it is just trying to get ahead of his career he has the same thing with his, his school friend and um, his boss the Goda what's right the guy's, what's Goda? the other guy's name Goda yeah like he like he's pretty much his only relationship is with his wife and it, it's kind of like a marriage of convenience that he's only married her to get ahead in business, and they they've never even like speak. Yeah, it's uh, 
everyone's trying to get one up on each other, but uh, there's, there are a lot of different things in play. Uh, it sort of speaks to what is your motivation, and uh, most of them is money. But like, why are you making money to like if you can't sleep and a cough got blood and her uh, stressed and you don't want to do it anymore? Like, uh, what's the what, kind of one of the story arcs that ends is is it Nishi? Is that what we're saying? He um, mm-hmm. he's almost willing to quit when he's like, why am I even doing this? And then he feels sorry for Gorda, who's dying of stress. And they've they've been pleading with this this girl to you know do the expo for them, and when she won't, he he's like desperately, he's coughing and dying of TB or something, and putting on the spacesuit himself. And then uh, his underling does come back and hears him dying. It's like oh, I'll put it. And he undresses him, passed out. And puts on the spacesuit and then walks the street begrudgingly in this spacesuit. And, and I think it ends with him being told by some of the people laughing and looking at him to like smile, look, look like you enjoying yourself. So he starts. His like, girlfriend grinning. just happens upon him in the street and she's like, give, give him a smile, a, a big one. Yeah. I mean, it might catch on. There might be a nice uh, gender reversal, it might work, new gimmick. You might be the next guy doing a horrible tribal dance in a, you know. Venue near you, you know. I honestly, when it ended on that, I thought this could have gone a bit longer. I think we could have. I think this is a good opener for further. I mean, it could, in a way, it could have been a TV series, like uh, Ad Men or Mad Men or whatever. <laughs> Japan Men. <laughs> Thank you. See, it does work. <laughs> Japan Men. But it could have. It could have been like uh, we could have gone. We could have let these characters play out more. Put them become directors. Some of them maybe get married, and then their marriages fail. We could have it could have strung out longer. We could have uh, spent more time in this competitive world, seen but, more of the uh, business. Yes, but I, I think I I enjoyed the film because it was so like like it's a satire and it's it's on point. There's never any like flab to it. Like it, it's got it's got something to say and it's going to say it and it does it well and concise. Mm. Yeah, I suppose you're right. Given it the film treatment as it does. It's uh, I wouldn't put it in the same category, but something like Doctor Strangelove. It it says what it wants to say about war, and uh, the people who decide things, and this says what it wants to say about how cynical the advert business is, and even confectionaries. I mean, like chocolates have nothing to do with spacemen, have nothing to do with toys. It's all the gimmicks, and it's anything to sell something, and nothing has to connect really. I think it has a lot of points to make, and it makes them all. And, and then uh, why string it out? It's only because I felt slightly invested in their stories by the end. I got by the time I got to know them and understand, differentiate who's who, because I was a bit lost some of the time, uh, especially with all the different companies. Uh, yeah, I think I think you're right. It is. It works this way uh, as we saw it. So maybe maybe don't string it out. Maybe we get the point. <laughs> No, but that's good, right? I mean, that's that's how you want to feel at the end of a film. You you want more from it. Mm. Anna, Car- Anna, film, Car- you know? Anna Caramel. I felt like wanted to go out and get, get something to eat. I did want a caramel. <laughs> I wasn't quite sure what it was, so I kind of like settled on fudge in my head. Well, that's not caramel, but yeah. I, yeah, I don't know what you mean. Like, just something to... It's sort of very slight, the difference between them. Well, 
I just wanted a nice bar of fudge. Just f- f- pack some fudge <laughs> for me, please. Did you find yourself craving sweets? Did it work on you? Did you or did you want to have loads of cool space toys or something? Abby? I've always wanted loads of cool space toys. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> Well, you know, just put some of your money aside every week and see if I. <laughs> I know for me, it just sort it sort of put me in that. It's always food. Whenever I watch stuff from Japan, there wasn't a whole lot of food seeds in this, but when they were eating stuff, I was like, "What's that? How do you eat? Well, what is it? Is in it savory? Is it sweet? What in is the it?" Dessert, in the dessert shop, I was trying to pick out the real desserts from the fake ones because some of them were genuinely, I think, made of glass. So. I don't know what that was about. Do we? Uh, yeah, it's not. It's not. Uh, not heaps of meals in this. It is just the uh, the caramel thing. Do you know, actually, it was a, not. It's not related to what we were saying, but it was an odd thing they kept doing when they wanted to do a montage. One of the people, who were, I mean, it's like yes. like like in uh, Mad Men, they're smoking all the time, and the guy he's trying to get his lighter to work, and he clicks it and clicks it and clicks it, and then it transitions, and it's still there, sort of. They, they don't quite fully fade out of it, and it's like overlaid all the montages. Someone trying to light a, a lighter, and we that see the weird. passage they... of and we see the passage of time. Then and, and we sort of montage some story. It was an odd choice. <laughs> they either need to lean in more or not bother. I think we could have faded out entirely. I think we having it overlaid the, the like a, just a lighter failing to light. I don't know if it's symbolic per se, but it seemed like in the frustrating passage of time, all this shit unfolds, uh, and then the, it lights. Uh, the guy tried loads. I mean, I would have given up after a few fails and asked someone else for a lighter. But everyone else. All, the other thing that was weird about it is all the like management and other people. They'd all just look as the guy tried to do his lighter. So it seemed like they all waited an interminable amount of time for him to light his cigarette while the. You know, montage happened and everything. If I was there with him in real life, I would have ripped it out of his hand after a certain point and just <laughs> thrown it out of window. Like, it it doesn't work. Get another one. Ah, but it always did light in the end. He probably Metaphor. needed the new um, not fuse. What's it called? The that the little flint in those old ones. I think mm. that's what's creating. I don't, think, I don't think we need to diagnose his lighter problem. It was a. <laughs> odd technique to trans transition time. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not quite sure what they were trying to say with that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think like uh, it, it stands out, but it's like for the wrong reasons. Yeah, the lighter thing in and of itself is the frustrating attempts at success. It's so like the failure to spark, and eventually sparking sort of works metaphorically. And the, but I, I guess also the passage of time, the mon- the fact that the montages happen where you know success and uh, promotion happened within the the time is the fast pace of everything and how everything changes and magazines and trucks are, are traveling and news is getting out and adverts are airing. You know, yeah, maybe I'll buy that. Something, there's something like that. Isn't it? The other thing, I, the stuff I liked that felt very modern was just seeing people who work in industry permanently. So, like, we see the directors and the editors and the... I don't know if it was editors, but there's a woman who works uh, either directing or in the TV ad space, and mm. she was quite cynical. Uh, and it, I liked seeing the business-like 
how this is done. The stars come in, people judge them from another room. Like we get the people making comments and deriding her, and even in I think in real life with that people are like, oh, I thought you'd be more attractive. It's like, well, she got janky teeth. Why? Why? Oh, whatever. So we, I liked seeing the the sort of every person nuts and bolts of how this is. It's the unglamorous side of selling you image and uh, celebrity, isn't it? It's good to see the cogs beyond mm. the actual cogs of the factory. And uh, not, 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 we don't really care about the product, which I think is important. It's like it's not about what we're selling. Yeah, okay, it's chocolate. It, we work people to the bone in the factory, but fucking, it ain't about recipes. It's not Willy Wonka. It's not like I've got this incredible recipe. It's not about showing you kitchens. It's not about you know that stuff. It's all marketing. It's all gimmicks. It's all. Uh, how can we outdo and compete? What? How can we learn about what the other companies are doing? It's like a big rat race, and we want to be the biggest uh, wedge of cheese at the end, isn't it? Yeah, I didn't think about that. Now that you think about it, we never really, other than like on the production line, we never really see the candy or anyone eating it or anything. Little yeah. German boys falling into the river, being sucked up a pipe. Your <laughs> bloomers inevitably digging his corpse out of the mechanism. <laughs> Yeah, there's no taking a sunrise and dipping it in a dream in this factory. They don't even <laughs> eat them at head office. It's just like a lazy snack that they have. Well, they mentioned that it's bad for your teeth, which is fitting because of the model. That's the one of the things that was odd. It's normally adverts sell you this idea that, oh, okay, chocolates are brilliant. You'll be popular and successful and hot. But this woman is popular and she has janky teeth, so it makes sense that she's selling you caramels, really, doesn't it? I think that was just a bit of broad comedy, isn't it? Like a, yeah. a silly gimmick and a funny looking woman. <laughs> she was nice, though. I think all the acting was very reasonable. It's harder to tell in a foreign language if they're hitting their lines as they need to, if they're too melodramatic or anything. But it was very. Like, especially, especially as they're going for like a, a bit more melodramatic and absurdist performances as well at points. It's kind of hard to tell. Yeah, I mean, we're not up. Uh, we're not in. We're, yeah, we weren't in a Aaron Sorkin world of busy, busy, everyone's talking and moving, but it, it had that fast-paced, hmm. bantery world yeah. of conversations to it, I think. I think. I think, weirdly with the film, it was successful, but I didn't love it. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was like, I see what you're doing. It's interesting to look into this time period in this world, but... I didn't feel myself thinking, oh, I can't wait to watch this again. It wasn't like satisfyingly funny. It was just uh, wry, you know? Hmm. Yeah, well well made. Made its point well. Good production yeah, value. Like, I know what you mean. Like it, it's, it's not top caliber, certainly. It's just you, it's not one of those stories that you need to hear time and time again and it like it, it wasn't so satirical that it made you chuckle and laugh all the way through you kind of root and want to know what's going on but you know. no and again you know I, I think we've probably seen this story countless times since like 1958 as well i guess mm. you would have been fresh back then that doesn't well. help what do you think abby see i think it's good but it's not great 
So you just, it doesn't really. It's not that it doesn't stick with you because I do remember it, but it's not something I'm going to be thinking about for the next week, maybe like next month. Uh-huh. I probably won't be thinking about it. I think it's the characters. This I'm thinking of other Japanese uh, movies where it's about character building and friendships making and breaking. And I feel like there's other there's animations and things that have come come out subsequently where. I'd watch it again because I like the interactions and the humor and the, even though the humor was here, it wasn't hitting all that hard. It was almost like a little too straight at times. I thought it, it, it didn't, you know, not having such memorable characters, just showing you everything and letting you be the judge was, uh, was good. It was, it was well executed because of that, but it didn't have that, like I didn't get in, didn't get to know anyone that well or root for anyone beyond slightly. So, you know, it it worked, I, but it, it wasn't like it didn't blow me away. Yeah, yeah, I, I wasn't blown away per se, but it's definitely still a big thumbs up for this film. You know, it it knows what it's trying to do and it does it pretty well. Yeah, there's some there's some good moments and there's some memorable bits and cute. Uh, you know, cute scenes that uh, it was nice to see characters go from like uh acting one way and then having the situation flipped on them and uh roles reversing, not reversing, but like other people who were the underdog having the upper hand later on in the film, and and mm. you know, it was nice seeing the dichotomy of that world playing out. I mean, what do we think of the spacesuit the woman wears? That's a big, fun, almost little big planet-esque spacesuit. And it was with the 50s, thinking space would be quite so comical. No, I think it's more they didn't understand sort of the science of there'd be no oxygen and stuff like that. So they think, oh, we just need to put on this helmet. That will do everything. It's like, no, you need the breathing apparatus. You need to be protected from the vacuum of space. Yeah, it's basically a goldfish bowl, though, isn't it? What did Neil Armstrong wear? A big goldfish bowl in a diving suit, pop his ass on the moon, job done. It was all in the zeitgeist in the 50s, wasn't it? The, I get, they were also discussing whether the Japanese were copying the West too much and that in America they'd kind of done... Early 50s was kind of space race, out-of-space out sci-fi stuff. Maybe they were a bit behind and then they were like, ah, the Japanese... We'll be up for it the bit later of the game for them, be fine. Also, I feel like they threw in some baseball. Like, why did they go to they just go to baseball just for a laugh, was it? I can't remember what how that played in. But that again feels like a tick box of things that should happen in a Japanese movie. <laughs> like a lot of the stereotypes were in this of what we think of as the Japanese culture, but it was by the Japanese at least, not just us projecting onto them what we think yeah. they should be like. Did any of you uh, any any more bits, notes, comments that we might have things we might have glossed over? Um, nothing from me. I think my notes. Okay, good. The only we sort of touched on it, but we didn't talk about it much. But this weird sort of specter of the United States, where they keep saying stuff like, oh, in the States they love this, oh, but that's not Japanese, oh, but they do it in America. They're like, you do you, Japan. She do you, yeah? 
Yeah, I think um, a big part of Japanese culture was wrestling with, well, they were our enemy two minutes ago, but we've got to move on. I think Japan's this weird, it was the, one of the few Asian countries that was like, leaned into the Western approach to things and in their own way, it wasn't like a full transition of we'll change utterly, but we basically, there's so many fat, like so many like technologies and things that the Japanese produce that we're, like, we have to go to them for. And they, and they did it by getting over the fact that what was their enemy just, you know, defeated them and bombed them or stopped them in their tracks. And then they went, well, the next generation and, and stuff are just going to pick up the ball and run with it. And I think Japan were wrestling with their identity a little bit and have done a long time. This idea of traditional values, uh, Japanese tradition, that is, and a more Western approach to living and life and what things like stepping up, being more liberal in a way, isn't it? Like not worrying about, uh, you know, marriage and uh, relationships and, you know, just doing more, being bolder and, and going, stepping further away from gender norms and stuff, isn't it? Hmm. Japan dealt with that a lot. And in the 50s, it would have been especially relevant. Uh, even now, though, isn't it? Like, it's always some shit about, oh, the youth of Japan are this and that and terrible and no one is doing things right anymore and lost their sense of value and values and stuff. But then that's everywhere, isn't it? Culture wars of conservatism versus liberalism is endless, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Also, this felt like, you know, oh, late-stage failure of capitalism, this is about that, and that was the 50s. We still haven't... It's still capitalism not Capitalism hasn't died. <laughs> still eternal. Still, late-stage late capitalism seems to be lasting quite a while. <laughs> not quite so late as we thought. <laughs> Still relevant, still a good insight into how the world works, I think. So, yeah, no, if the, I mean, I've said my piece. So, you guys uh, want any final words, or are we all off to the shops to buy a box of Japanese uh, imported cat- Kit Kats? Mmm, green berry flavor. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> ah, oh, what's uh, nothing, this? nothing more to add, but just. You know, I enjoyed it. It did its job well. And uh, Japan has certainly still not let us down yet. Yay! I've been let down by Japan. It's <laughs> a very underwhelming tentacle part. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, Abby? I am moderately satisfied I watched this film. I would moderately recommend it to others. Not a giant success, but you can toy around with it if you like. It is it, good, still good fun, like a toy. Yeah. Japan men, guys. <laughs> Japan men. Uh... <laughs> that's, that's why I should have just opened with that to start. It's Japan men, and then save everyone the job of needing to listen to the rest of the podcast. <laughs> it's Japan men. <laughs> If you like the Japanese and Mad Men, you you love it. It's right up your alley. All right then, uh, catch us again for another film chat, another film time. Toodly toodly pips. Bye bye. <laughs>